Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So I have the great privilege of, of sharing tonight uh, and leading us into a time of, uh, of giving uh, and really just launching what I believe is going to be a, a, a windfall of finance to, to change the globe uh, one, one at a time. That was a great word, by the way. That was prophetic, dude. One at a time. You broke me over there. You messed me up, and everything's changed. Uh, 1985, I was uh, in high school, went on my first mission trip, Dominican Republic, an uh, orphanage my church had, and that thing wrecked me because I hated it with all my heart, and I thought Texans shouldn't go somewhere and sweat more than we already do, and I was like, I'll never do missions or ministry. It's so dumb. Four years later, my life's broken. I'm a wreck, and a friend says, you should go to do a discipleship training school because you need help, and so I went, and I'm in Maui, Hawaii, and it's, it's Maui, Hawaii, but we were living in pretty hard setting. I remember when it rained, it rained in more inside than outside, and this particular day, it was pouring down probably the fifth day in a row, couldn't go to the beach, it ruined my whole plans, so I'm reading my book that's assigned, and I'm sitting in a place called The Way In. And it's raining everywhere around me, so I found the dry spot. And the director's wife walks through and looks at me, and I'm the only one in there, and she comes over and she goes, Scotty, God's going to use you to love the unlovable. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) He's going to make me work for him. And then I thought, but I'm so unlovable. And he said, well, you were unlovable, Scott. I sent my son to die for you so that you could be called into eternal life, into the kingdom. And I was like, you did do that for me. Like, I've known that my whole life, and I haven't cared. And he's like, you. And it was like he was saying, you're the one that was important to me. You were a sinner, and you thought yourself unlovable, but I loved you. (laughs) And it just messed me up. And my whole plans for life changed. And I still stayed messy and a mess. And I, I struggled and I did wrong things and I acted wrong. And then I'd act right and I'd do great and I'd do bad. And it was like, I'm a mess. What in the world would you want to use me for? And he's like, because I love the unlovable. And that's just what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm asking you to serve me because I'm perfect. And my message is perfect. And my message will be preached to the ends of the earth. And the end will come. And he took me to 2 Peter, a very famous passage we all know about his heart for us. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for the sake of the one. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. And the day the Lord's going to come unexpectedly. Heavens will pass away, terrible noise, elements themselves disappear in fire, and the earth and everything will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives we have to live on call, looking forward to that day, hurrying along. He's going to set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flame, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth He's promised. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for those things to happen, make every effort 
to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight, aiming for the one. All that remains for us today is we partner with Jesus. That's what it is. That's what it's all about. We partner with Jesus. Holy Spirit, what are you calling me to do? It might be like the McCaslins, and it's like, oh no, oh no, he's calling me to, to lay it all down and then go, and we come up with the, the altar and pray. It might be like somebody else, and oh wow, we're, honey, we're supposed to give $30,000 this year to this. We ask the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit knows, and he knows what he has for you and he has from you. Maybe it's to go, maybe it's to come and go, maybe it's to, to partner with finance. It's always going to be to partner in prayer. You don't have to ask if you should pray. Pray, <laughs> right? So a few years ago, the man I'm, I'm, that was supposed to be sharing tonight that's in Peru, he, I, were, I served under David Pepper in Alaska, and he allowed me the beautiful grace and sweetness of just traveling around the world when, I, when, when we planned it. And so I got to go to Sri Lanka, and I was there for the second time. It was 2011. And me and a couple of friends went, and we are doing ministry, really like a freedom ministry, um, uh, a lot like what y'all do, Rusty. Uh, and they brought in people, some, some broken, saved people, and some just straight-up Buddhists, because uh, it's a Buddhist nation over there. And we had about 100 people, and we were there all week long. And there was this uh, one young lady. They all look young to me. They all look like, they could, they could be 40 years in difference and all look the same age to me, but because uh, they just age really well uh, in that little area. Her name was Takara. She was uh, probably five foot and 72 pounds, I don't know. Uh, and she was Buddhist and yet wanted freedom. And so she came because she was invited. And on the outside, she was sweet. And as soon as you talk about Jesus, whoo, the demons were a raging. And, uh, and I remember my friends Rob and Star began to pray for her, and, and literally, she began to spin on the floor, like, like you would, ju like, just like, I mean, like this, just on the floor. And I was like, <laughs> my human side is like, how's she doing? That's pretty cool. Like, uh, that's awkward. Uh, so the demons are happening here, but like, she's staying in place, you know? Um, very impressive. Uh, and they began to pray, and, and she began to scream, and uh, just all this stuff, and they, as they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, she's set free, and I mean, she shares the horrors of her life, and over the course of, uh, of that day, and into that night, just her story, and just what was done to her growing up, and forgiveness that she's releasing, and after accepting Jesus, and, and then even repenting of her hatred towards all mankind, and, and the Lord's just healing her, and setting her free, and then she looked like the, a totally different person, her countenance completely different, it was amazing that and I thought, God, you brought us to Sri Lanka for this one person. If, if nothing else goes our way, you did this. And it's all worth it. It was amazing to see. And there was this gentleman there, very well-to-do, good-looking, giant of a man, both in stature and in the community. His name was Talavu. Talavu was half Sri Lankan, half Samoan. His body was all Samoan. So he's 6'3", and he loved the Lord. Uh, very, uh, very successful uh, gyms across the nation and health food. And uh, he was on the, the board of directors for the, the Sri Lankan uh, Cricket Club, which it'd be like if we had one football team for America, that was then, that's their, they'd be like one thing. That's their one sport thing. So it, you're on that board and you're a big wig. And uh, I remember 
At one point, he was so giant up here, I was like, let's see if my thigh is bigger than your over, you know, I got close enough to him that I could put my thigh up to his arm, and his arm was bigger than my thigh. So he's a giant of a man. He grew up, his Samoan dad had abandoned the family, had, they had six kids, he was the oldest of the six. All the others got the Sri Lankan side, and dad abandoned them, went back to Samoa, didn't care about them, and they were, they ra- they were raised in the dumps. And because of his literal stature, he was, uh, he was brought into the best schools and scholarships and all stuff, he became a shot putter for the Olympic team, and just a famous, famous person, and, and because of that, he was able to bring his family out of poverty, but they stayed Buddhist, and, and he became a, a believer, but man, was he angry, and he sees Takara go through all that, and he's like, I need help, so we're meeting in our hotel room one time, and he's talking, he's sharing his story, stone cold, stone cold, and uh, he says, what do I need to do? I'm like, well, we got to walk through, forgiving your dad, and he's like, what else? I'm like, well, then we're done. Like, stop there. So we begin, get to a place, and, and uh, as we're talking, I said, man, what about just speaking out Thanksgiving towards your dad? And he's like, no. Nah. And, and he got really angry, angry, angry at the two of us that were helping him. And I thought he was going to kill me. He was so angry. Literally, I was afraid. I was like, oh, my goodness, he snapped me like a twig. And, uh and he sat there, and, and I watched the Lord do this miracle. I remember it was 33 minutes. He just began from the base level up to just amazing, deep things, just thanking the Lord for his dad. And then he gets up, and he goes, and he's weeping and praying and just asking the Lord for forgiveness and just all this stuff. And he gets up, and he goes, y'all want a cricket bat? And I was like, yeah, I want a cricket bat. And so he goes, well, I'm, the, I'm on the board. We're going to go to the National Cricket Club. And y'all going to go in, and they're going to take care of you. And then we're going to get you the best cricket bat, each of you, and a cricket ball. And I'm going to teach you how to play cricket later. But I'm going to call my dad and ask him to forgive me. I'm going to find him in Samoa. And I'm like, wow, this is like action plan 101. I mean, like, wow, you're going for it. We went there, and he hooks us up with, like, all these, bit, you know, people that took care of, like, dignitaries. Like, we're dignitaries, and we're just like, Two Alaskan bump on logs kind of guys. And they're taking us around and showing us everybody. We're meeting everybody. We're watching the cricket practice and ha- happen and everything. And, you know, they're whining and dining us. Uh, and maybe two hours later, he comes back and he's like, weeping, weeping. I asked my dad to forgive me. I don't care what he did. I, I asked him to forgive me. And then he began, and he's like asking him questions. And, and then I lead my dad to the and then he asked me to forgive him, and, and I invited him for Christmas, and, and, uh, and I'm going to make my mom come, and, and like, we're going to patch it all up. I'm like, whoa, they're tiger. You can't force that. They're all Buddhist. And he's like, they're going to be Christians. You know? And I'm like, all right, whatever. And I'm I, and I literally thinking, this is amazing. It was all for Talavu, but it was all for Takara. It was all for his dad. And and then the Buddhist thing, well, that's probably not going to play out. That was my thinking, because I can be a contrarian, right? So we get our cricket bat, and we go back to uh, the hotel compound that we were on, and he's teaching us how to, how to play cricket, and, and he's going. He, he used to be a bowler, which is like the pitcher for cricket, you know? And I'm like, I'm, I'm hip, missing most and hitting a few sideways. 
And I said, hey, Talavu, man, like, what kind of level are you teaching me? He's like, when I taught my five-year-old, that's about what I'm doing. <laughs> you could lie. That'd be awesome. But he didn't lie. Uh, fast forward, that was October of that year. Get a call right before New Year's, and he's like, hey, my dad came. My mom and dad, man, they, they had an amazing time. My dad asked forgiveness of the entire family. All my siblings were there. We, my dad and I led them all to the Lord, and led my mom to the Lord, and they're all going to church with us, and we're going to do this every year, and then my dad's going to bring us to Samoa every year. And we're, you know, my mom and dad aren't getting back together because they don't need to be, but like, we love Jesus, and because of that, we can love one another. Because it's all about one person. It starts with one person. That's why we do what we do, because of one person. And that one person multiplies. Like, I would have never guessed that would happen. But a guy that just wanted to figure out, hey, how'd she get that? I want a little bit of that, but I don't want to do forgiveness or Thanksgiving or be thankful for. I just want, I want, and I want to be clean, but not do stuff. He submitted. He submitted. Because the Lord's patient. And his desire is save Talavu. And then his desire is, I'm going to save Talavu's dad. And that'll take an extra few hours. And then a few months later, I'm going to save his mom and his five siblings. And that's what it's about. That's what we get to partner with. It, it's not always about the giant crusades or the thousand baptisms. That is spectacular when that happens. It's about the one life. The one unlovable person, whether they think they are or they act in a, such a way that, that makes them kind of like that. It, it's about going after that person. It's about the couple in Bulgaria that used to be broken, that now can be raised up to love people with the grace and mercy of Jesus and have compassionate hearts. It's about the, the villagers in Cambodia. It's about the, the next JV team that is assigned by God to you. It's about the next mom of a foster kid who is broken. That's why you have a foster kid, but God has a bigger plan than just loving the foster kid, which is spectacular. It's saving a life. It's about the, the people that say, Rusty, I can't, I can't go on, but, but you say, no, you can be set free. The couples that say, we're kind of broken, uh, we're stuck, and you go, ah, oh, let, me, let me tell you what stuck looks like and then what unstuck looks like. That's what it's about. It's about a nation of Cameroon, that the world might overlook that says we want to be light in the darkness because darkness cannot hold back a bit of light. And so we're going we're gonna to flash flood light through our nation and then our nation is going to light up Nigeria on one side and uh, all the way, maybe, maybe we'll hit down to the, the tip of South Africa and, and, and take Cape Town for the gospel if that's what we're called to do, if God would tarry, Right? That's why we have a missions conference to highlight what Jesus is doing. It's about his heart for the one, and then the one, and then the one, and then the one, and getting invited into that, partnering with Jesus to take the gospel to every corner of the earth. That's what it's about. And then he'll decide when the end is, is time, right? That's what it's about. So you're going to hear highlights, and you're going to hear stories from up here, and you're going to hear them at the, at the booths. You're going to 
You're going to maybe be, be pricked in your heart to do things. You're like, I don't know if we can do that. And you go, okay, but wait, Jesus, you lead my life. I don't. I'm going to live my life submitted to you. I, I love how Peter, you know, how he puts it here. Let's, while we're waiting for those things to happen, let's make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless. The best way to live a peaceful life, pure and blameless, is submitted wholly to Jesus. Ask Him about everything. Because the Spirit of the living God in us knows what's best for us and best from us and what's best for the, that one that He'll take us to. Live generously. Pray boldly. Get really heavily involved. If we're not heavily involved in mission, seeking and saving the lost, which was Jesus' mission, we're missing the point of following Jesus. There is no other way around it. Oh, I Bible study, I Bible study, I Bible study, I Bible study. That's great. I love the Bible too. If I'm not seeking and saving the lost, I'm missing the mission at its beginning. And so all the Bible study in the world is just going to be head knowledge that is really ignorant at worst and haughty at best. I have to go, Jesus, where are you calling me to seek and save the lost? I was reading this, this mission uh, platform this week. I think it's called Rev, uh, Rev 9-7. It's, a, it's kind of a movement of under 25-year-olds that are, that are going to take the gospel to every, every facet of the earth. And they're like, our goal is to change Billy's world and to change you know, Jimmy's world and change the Smith's world and, and to change Talavu's world and to change Takara's world and change Scott's selfish world. That's our mission. So go and change that person's world, that one's world, by getting involved through prayer, giving, and, and going. I mean, all these missionaries here, they're just like, we finally get to go! It's been two years of awkwardness. It's been awkward for the, the church that meets here. I can't imagine how awkward it is for the, the heart that goes, you know? But, but they're going... And they're planning on going. And, and so we can send them, and we can send them with lots of money, and we can send them with constant bathed prayer, and then we can go with them. And that's what we've got to do. I'm going to ask you to, to stand right now. We're going to go into a time of, of giving. And like Jeremy said, you have, these offering, um, you have these offering envelopes in front of you. And then uh, on our app, if you go to our app, uh, the Church Center app, you can pull that one up and then... Once you give, it's going to be like, heart for Jesus, and your giving is, is done. Um, I encourage you to pray about how much to give, and if you want to give specifically to a missionary, uh, those are options on, on the app, but uh, every single thing that comes in from after I stopped talking, or actually when today started, until next Saturday night at 11.59 p.m., every single thing that comes to this church will go to these missionaries that are here with us. It will be split up by great men who pray and ask Jesus how to send all that money. I was looking at your little, little booklet there uh, this week and kind of tallying up uh, the numbers there and then tallying up what I assumed some of the numbers were when they weren't written specifically. And as I was doing that, I was like, I wonder what that's going to be. I love getting down to a final number. And I felt like God said, Scott, let's just believe for a quarter of a million dollars to come in. And I'm like, all right, I like that. Let's believe, I, th I truly believe if a quarter million dollars can come in in these eight days for these people that everything really on their heart 
to do as they came here will get done this year. And I don't think that's all they're going to get. And that's certainly not all they're going to be asked to do by the Holy Spirit. But that's, that's what I think the Lord really wants to do from us through them and, and for that one and that one and those 74 ones, all of that. So I encourage you to give the power of the gospel still makes broken people whole. Takara couldn't be kept down. Talavu couldn't be kept bound. Hey, that kind of rhymes. I feel like Stephen Furtick. Uh, but the power of the gospel makes people whole. And that's what they're taking. The gates of hell, we're going to sing in a, minute, in a minute here, the gates of hell trembles when we sing and when we worship and we praise the living God. Satan can't, he doesn't know what to do. He can't even run. There's nowhere to run. From light. He can't go find a quiet corner when the people of God sing and praise and live on mission. It breaks his brain, and that's a good breaking. Darkness has no power to hold back light in any way whatsoever. So when you read that, those those pamphlets we have for the giving, you, you see some specifics in there. But even though there's specifics in there, there are monthly needs, yearly needs, uh, beyond what's written in there. Those are just some big highlighted needs. I would love it if the breaks had to figure out what to do in Bulgaria with all the finances that come in. And they're like, we reached that, so now we got to, I don't know, build more, do more, remodel. Uh, this room we're going to paint and call it HCF room. I don't know. But we, because we're just so generous right now and tomorrow morning and tomorrow night in the in the, in the seven days that follow. Um, so would you pray with me? And then they're going to they're gonna be taking offering uh, here. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. And, uh, and you can give via the app. You can give online. You can uh, give in the baskets passed by. But give lavishly and give generously. While you and I believed ourselves unlovable and lived as sinners, Jesus said, I want you. Like you're the one. And then he asks us to just be a part of that, that heartbeat and that mission. So, God, I, I thank you for the, the sons and daughters in this room. And, and I pray that you give us great, risky, excited faith to give, to give bigger than we've ever given before, to give different than we've ever given before, to, uh, to give in a way that kind of makes us uh, shaky maybe. Maybe it, 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 it freaks us out a little bit because it's something new that we're stepping into, being led by the Spirit of the living God within us who says, I want to live in you and make you a giver like me. So would you show us what to give? God, I pray you challenge us to give. And I pray we come back uh, even tomorrow and tomorrow night giving more. This be the smallest amount we give uh, this weekend. And we just say we want to we want to honor and bless what you're calling all these wonderful missionaries to do, and we want to make their lives really, really good, as much as it is in our ability to do so. So take these offerings and use them to change the world and to change the life of each one. In your name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.